Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, The Punishment of Thine Iniquity is Accomplished. It shall be focused on a study of Lamentations chapter 4. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before thee thanking you for the grace that you've shown us through dying for our sins on a hill called Calvary. We see, Father, that we were not deserving for you to extend your mercy unto us, but we thank you for it. Help us, Father, to live a life that pleases you. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Lamentations chapter 4. Lamentations 4 How is the gold become dim? How is the most fine gold changed? The stones of the sanctuary are poured out in the top of every street. The precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold, how are they esteemed as earthen pitchers, the work of the hands of the potter? Even the sea monsters draw out the breast. They give suck to their young ones. The daughter of my people is become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the sucking child cleaveth to the roof of his mouth for thirst. The young children ask bread, and no man breaketh it unto them. They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embrace dunghills. For the punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom that was overthrown as in a moment, and no hand stayed on her. Her Nazarites were purer than snow. They were whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies. Their polishing was of sapphire. Their visage is blacker than a coal. They are not known in the streets. Their skin cleaveth to their bones. It is withered. It is become like a stick. They that be slain with the sword are better than they that be slain with hunger. But these pine away, stricken through for want of the fruits of the field. The hands of the pitiful women have sodden their own children. They were their meat in the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord hath accomplished his fury. He hath poured out his fierce anger, and hath kindled a fire in Zion and it hath devoured the foundations thereof. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not have believed that the adversary and the enemy should have entered into the gates of Jerusalem. For the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests that have shed the blood of the just in the midst of her, they have wandered as blind men in the streets. They have polluted themselves with blood so that men could not touch their garments. They cried unto them, Depart ye, it is unclean, depart, depart, touch not. When they fled away and wandered, they said among the heathen, They shall no more sojourn there. The anger of the Lord hath divided them. He will no more regard them. They respected not the persons of the priests. They favored not the elders. As for us, our eyes as yet failed for our vain help. In our watching we have watched for a nation that could not save us. They hunt our steps that we cannot go in our streets. Our end is near. Our days are fulfilled, for our end 
is come. Our persecutors are swifter than the eagles of the heaven. They pursued us upon the mountains. They laid wait for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was taken in their pits, of whom we said, Under his shadow we shall live among the heathen. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, that dwellest in the land of Uz. The cup also shall pass through unto thee. Thou shalt be drunken, and shalt make thyself naked. The punishment of thine iniquity is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. He will no more carry thee away into captivity. He will visit thine iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will discover thy sins. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Branham titled Influence. This was preached in 1964 on March the 15th. We'll begin at paragraph 51 up to paragraph 109. I trust you find it to be a blessing. Now, you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Isaiah, the sixth chapter. I want to read from there this afternoon for the closing service. Take a text. In the year that Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar, and he laid it upon my mouth, and said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Let us bow our heads. Most gracious Lord, take these words and May the meditation of our heart now be acceptable unto thee. May the great Holy Spirit move into the lips of the speaker and the ears of the hearer, that together it might bring honor to thy name through thy word, for we ask it for the glory of God. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to watch now what, so we can have plenty of time for the prayer service. Now listen close as I try with these few scriptures and notes that I have wrote down here to speak it. Sometimes I'm not tired and wore out and never wear that, write down a scripture note I can remember. But lately it's just been so, I just, sometimes I forget. 
can't think of it. So I just jot it down here, uh, a little something like a certain scripture. I know what that means, and I just go from there on. I want to speak on the subject of influence. Now, you know, there's somebody that you're influencing. Your life is a written epistle read of all man. Therefore, if your life isn't according to your testimony, uh, or your testimony according to your life, rather, then there's, you're putting a stumbling block in somebody's way. Or somebody is watching you. Some little child is watching his mother, watching his dad. Here some years ago, I read a little article around Christmas that was, Sir, did warm my heart with grief. When a, a, a fellow had been out and was a good man, he didn't, he didn't drink really, but he, he'd been out around Christmas and visiting his colleagues and they all said to him, said, John, have a little, just a little drink. And from house to house, he, he got too much. And he had to go back home and crossing the park. He, his little boy was with him and he, he missed the little boy and turned around and looked. And the little boy was just going from one side to another. And the dad waited till the little boy got to him. He said, why are you going all over the park, son? What makes you walk like that? He said, Daddy, I'm trying to walk in your footsteps. That's right. The, little, the man picked up the little boy and sat down and tucked the little fellow in his arms. He said, God, you forgive me. I want to walk straight so my son behind me will walk straight. That's what we want to do as Christians. We want to walk like Christians, live like Christians, talk like Christians. Many years ago, when they used to have slavery in the South, they, down Kentucky and Alabama and down where I come from, they used to take the colored and auction them off at the, at the auction block, just like you'd have used cars or something. Uh, I believe no man's to be a slave. God made man and man made slaves. And they used to come by and buy them just like you would buy a used car, get a bill of sales and so forth. That's a terrible thing. So they, one day there was a buyer come by, to a broker, to a, an old plantation that had uh, many slaves. And he said, how many slaves you got? Oh, I said, around 150 out there, I guess. Said, Could I go out and look over them? He said, sure, help yourself. So he went out look over the, the slaves and when he looked around he noticed them fellows always they were sad they the boars brought them over from africa and unloaded them in cuba out there and then sent them over here in the south and sold them for slaves and they know they never go back home they know that they never see their father and mother no more or their children husband wives and so forth they were they were a victim of circumstance that they didn't make themselves and here they was away from home and sad and sometimes they'd have to take whips and whip them just like they do uh, beast, cattle, and ox, and horses and things. And then they, um, they make them work. And this, uh, they notice, this young broker notices one of those young slaves, they didn't have to whip him. My had his chin up, his shoulders back, and he was really right on the mark all the time. They didn't have to be doing anything to him. He had the job done. So. The owner of the slaves said, uh, the broker said to this uh, owner, said, I'd like to buy that slave. He said, oh, no, he's not for sale. He said, well, why ain't he for sale? He said, what, uh, you, said, what, are you, what makes him that way? He said, uh, is he the boss or the rest of them? He said, oh, no, he's a slave. He said, do you feed him different than you do the rest of them? He said, no, they all lay out in the galley together. He said, he's just a slave. 
He said, well, what makes him act different than the rest of them? He said, you know, I often wondered that too till I found out that over in the homeland in Africa where they come from, his father is the king of a tribe. And yet he's an alien, far from home, but he knows he's a son of a king. And he acts like it. Oh my. What are Christians to do? We're sons and daughters of the king. Though we are aliens, let's act like sons and daughters. Women, let your hair grow out. Quit wearing them clothes that you wear. Immoral and things. Man, get back to where a man ought to be. Don't act like sons and daughters of God. You're an alien here. But remember, we're sons of the king. See, that influence that man had upon the rest of them, his morale kept the rest of them's hopes high. We find out that this uh, King Uzziah was a shepherd boy in the days of Isaiah, the prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. Prophets are born. They just not laying their hands on them and making them prophets. They are born, foreordained of God. Gifts and callings are without repentance. There's a, a gift of prophecy in the church, and it must be judged by three people before the voice should ever be heard amongst the congregation. But um, that's just a gift of prophecy. But a prophet is absolutely ordained with thus saith the Lord from childhood up. And Isaiah was a prophet of the Lord. And he had uh, been taken to the temple. And he had, uh, this uh, Uzziah, this young shepherd boy, was a, a great influence upon this young prophet. Because Uzziah in Second Chronicles 26 tells us that he became king of Israel when he was just 16 years old. His father Hezekiah died and he took his place to rule as it was a custom that the, the son um, uh, succeeded the, the king. And they took and made him king when he was just 16 years old. And his father Uzziah, Uzziah was, was a great man. Uh, he was a, a, a godly man. And having this godly parent uh, it made him do the thing that was right because he was influenced by his father. See, today, how can you expect for what we ain't going to have more Oswalds and Jack Rubies? Look at, I left my motel a while ago in such a drunken mess of a bunch of Californians out there laying out there women stripped naked out on that. Uh, there was just a little bit of strap around them or something other out there and man drinking whiskey on, on ice and stuff and carrying on falling around the pools. How can you expect their children, young ones there in the yard playing around, be anything but an Oswald or something like that? It's the influence that's put before them. Oh, America's rotten to the core. She's going to reap what she sowed. A just God cannot let her get by with anything else. You say, are you am I certainly am American. On the fields in Germany and Japan, is American graze marked all, all through there. My people, Branham's. And if I had to go, I'd give my life for it. But let me tell you something. We need a stirring, this nation does. The things that we once had, we've lost. And we're trying to live up on a reputation of what somebody else done. We'll reap for it. God made Israel a people after his own heart. He made them reap. And we'll reap too for what we're doing. We have nothing else in front of us but reaping. We've crossed the line of grace and mercy. And nothing else left but a reaping. Mark that in your Bibles. I'm an old man. But you mark that down and find out whether that isn't true or not. Maybe when I'm gone and 
on and on, you'll find out that those words are true. We're going to get it. We're weighed in the balance and found wanting. And there's no way out. Right. right. We've done cross that line. You've got to reap what you sow every time. So this uh, young fella was such an influence upon this. Uh, the young king was an influence on, on uh, the young prophet. And uh, he leaned upon the arm of this prophet because it, he, uh, he knew he was a prophet and he had him right with him all the time. And uh, to draw his influence from his visions and so forth from God to know how to conduct his kingdom. And it made him a great man. He ignored the politics of that day and the popular opinions and served God with a true heart. That's the kind of a president we need. That's the kind of a, a leader we need over the people of any nation, anywhere. His kingdom was next to Solomon's. There was nothing. God just blessed him and helped back no blessing because he served him. And this was a great help to young Isaiah because that he seen how God would bless them that was true to his word. No matter how difficult it was, stay true to that word. And it's an example today also to us to stay true to the word. And it had a great influence upon him. Now, he planted vineyards and he was a herdsman. And he had all kinds of herds and vineyards. If you want to read in Second uh, Chronicles 26 there in different places of the scripture that speaks of uh, Uzziah. He was a great man. He, he loved the outdoors and such a fine fellow. God blessed everything he done. It just prospered and went right on. And no nations bothered him. They was afraid of him. And be because he served the Lord God that was with him. Not because he's afraid of his military force, but he's afraid of the God that he served. That ought to be our memorial. Our God, we trust, it says on our dollars. But I wonder sometimes. Now, but this all happened. And it shows here an example I'd like to draw from this this afternoon to show that how God can bless a man and, and make him a great man. But, you know, when this king got uh, uh, felt secure, felt to a place that it, he was just absolutely anchored and there's no way for him to ever fall, got lifted up in pride, that's when he took his tumble. That's when any man will take his tumble. I think that's what's the matter with a lot of our peoples today. We get lifted up. I think that's what causes organizations to do what they do. They get a better class of what they call a more intellectual, better class of people, they think. Man, they're all their ministers of high school and college education, two or three years of psychology, give them mental tests, brain waves, and everything to see if they fit the case and sometimes know no more about God than a rabbit does about snowshoes. That's right. Yeah. Right. That mental has nothing to do with it. It's a power of the Holy Ghost. It's not in your mind. It's in your heart. Right. But uh, see, we get then to get lifted up. Our, we go to the best church in town. We belong to the first church. We belong to where the mayor goes. We belong to this and all these things there. See what it is? Then the people just simply can't stand to hear that. They just think that you're just, just a terrible person. But what it is, there's no place for the seed to anchor. There's nothing for it to lay on. It's rock. It'll never take hold. The birds fly around, pick it up, the Bible said. But when this king got lifted up and felt secure, he got lifted up in pride. I notice a lot of times we find even people, evangelists, get to a spot where many of them has been accused of things and maybe some of it is true, of drinking and so forth. 
What it is, I think they build a little kingdom around them and think them people love them so well. There's no way at all for that. Them people, they can just do anything they want to and those people overlook it. The people might, but what about God? That's where we fail to see it's God is the one doing the looking. God knows it. When you see truth and light and reject it, God knows what you've done. You'll never go no further till you come right back to that spot again. You can't cross over that. You've got to come right back to where you left off. He got so lifted up into his mind and and got so self-secured and everything, so much that he tried to take a minister's place. He tried to go in and offer incense, as we know in the Bible, to burn incense, which was only for a Levite to do it, a priest that was anointed for that job. He tried to take his place. And here we have an influence of this king to let people know that this carnal impersonation of each other today, it's not of the Lord. You're not ordained to such things. You'll never take another man's place and another man can't take your place. Find where your place is and abide there. See, he thought, well, bless God, I'm a king and the Lord has been good to me. I can do this. I've got this. This is my ministry. To come to find out that in his uh, going on like that and tried to go over, step over what God was blessing him at. If you're a good lay member, be a good lay member. Yeah. If you're a good housewife and God's blessed you as a housewife and made you loyal and true. Sister, you just go, continue to be that. Don't get thinking you, God called you to be a preacher or, or deacon or something else. And, and you do the same man. Wherever God has blessed you there, abide, because that's where he's set you at. You do just what he tells you to do and see where he blesses you. But don't ever try to step in. That's a, that's a grassroots of Pentecost. When Mrs. McPherson, as I was reading her book, I didn't, I wasn't a minister in her days. And they said when she'd walk out on the platform of these like wings, you know, or, you know, kind of a robe like that. Every lady preacher wore the same thing. Every one of them carried a Bible the same way Mrs. McPherson. Did you ever listen to these radio programs? Every fella, Lord bless you, real good fella, a Billy Graham. It's carnal impersonations. I was reading the, uh, the history of Martin Luther, and the history said it wasn't so much of a mystery that Martin Luther could protest the Catholic Church and get by with it, but to hold his head above all the fanaticism that followed his revival. Yeah. That's right. Hold yourself clean and clear to your calling. Stay with God's Word and don't move for nothing. Stay abiding your calling. If he give you a job out there as a farmer, farm good. God bless you at it and pay your tithes and whatever it is your offerings to help the ministry go on. If he made a mechanic out of you and bless you in that work, stay with it and thank him for it. You just abide where God calls you. We find here an influence. And then when he was trying to be corrected, the minister on answering and said, Say, wait a minute, you wasn't called for that. Oh, did he get angry? Why, he was ready to have his head cut off. See, there's another thing we have to know. No matter how much God's blessed you, you haven't got no right to rebuke the anointed of the Lord or say anything against them. Amen. Right. God is the one to take care of that. They need any rebuke, and that's his children. You let them alone. You're not supposed to do that. See, and when you, you tell people of their sins and tell them they're doing wrong, come out. Don't just try to get to heaven on an organizational system or something. My goodness, they, they, they want to blow up, they, they want to find fault with you, they won't, they won't even sit and listen at you. Get up and go out and ill-mannered and just act anyway. You see, that goes to show the first place poor raising, home manners. 
Certainly does. But we find out that this guy taking this attitude and doing the thing he did, what happened to him? The Lord struck him with leprosy right there in the building. And what's leprosy is a type of sin? Unbelief. There's no other sin but unbelief. He that believeth not is condemned already. And sin is the only unbelief there is. I was preaching one time in a Methodist church and I said, smoking cigarettes is not a sin. Committing adultery is not a sin. Taking the Lord's name is not sin. Too much for one sister. She raised up and said, pray tell me, Reverend Branham, what is sin? I said, unbelief. You do those things because you do not believe. Exactly. The reason you refuse to walk in the light of the word is because you disbelieve the word. That makes you an unbeliever. Fellow said to me, he said, I wouldn't care how many cases you could show and how many cases the doctor could show of different healings. That I do not believe in healing. It's not so. I said, certainly it wasn't sent to unbelievers. It was only sent to those who believe. It's only for believers. He said, he that believeth, all things are possible. Not him that unbeliever. One speck of unbelief against the word of God and you'll stay out of the kingdom of heaven. It took Eve out. It caused all this trouble. Once, just to pervert the word, just a little bit, you've got to stay straight with it, what it says. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy word, who is like unto thee, to know, Father, that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, neither has it entered into the hearts of men what we have in store for those who love thee. So we thank thee, Father, that you have redeemed us from our iniquities and we were born in sin, shaped in iniquity and came to the world speaking lies. But thank thee for thy blood, you've redeemed us from that estate. Speak to us today out of thy word that we've heard made continue to minister to our souls. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. In the dark of the midnight Have I all hid my face While the storms howl above me And there's no hiding place It's the crash of the thunder Precious Lord
There's no 